We would like to welcome you to today's sermon delivered by Pastor Stuart Guthrie. We hope that it challenges, strengthens, and encourages your walk in the Lord. You know, last night I was I was really trying to I, I changed up some things in my message and and I, I saw a video on the internet that really tweaked my interest. And it, it really it really grabbed my heart to think about uh, these people in the streets. You know, last, uh, last few nights, um, the Hurricane Matthew uh, went right through my hometown of Hilton Head. And as I was thumbing through some of those photos, I saw people wading in the water up to here, right near the house. And come to find out, these were homeless people. Um, they weren't aware of, of the hurricane that was coming and so they weren't able to get out of town, and so they were, they were literally walking out, um, waiting in, in this deep of water. And I, and I got to thinking about the reality of, of homeless people and, 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 and how that comes about. And, and so I, I started to do some research, and I came across uh, a, a ministry called Train Track Kids. And it, and it really just crushed my heart to see some of these kids and the lives that they're going through. And so I, I want to open this morning with a question to ask you if you've ever considered the fact that they say in America, 1.6 to 2.8 million children every year run away from home. 1.8 to 2.6 million children run away in America every year. Maybe let's bring that statistic to that where it makes a little bit better sense to us. Look across the room this morning. I want you to look at seven people. One of those seven statistically have run away, will run away, or have considered running away. One out of seven children in America have run away, will run away, or have considered running away. And see, I got to thinking about why is it that children run away? And they, and they have all these websites and, and, and different things that tell us why kids run away. And every circumstance is different. But most of the kids who are running away are running away because they feel like they're going to encounter a better life outside of the situation they're in now. But the biggest problem that I found is that what they encounter out there is quite substantially more difficult than what they were in before they ran away. You know, they think they're leaving less problems, but they encounter more difficulties. Kids that run away uh, are risk sexual abuse and exploitation. With no money, nobody to really lean on, um, they find themselves running to extremes and finding themselves in very difficult situations where people exploit them. Kids that run away always are at risk for drugs and alcohol. Because their circumstances are so difficult, they look to wash their pains through drugs and suffering because they can't cope with the lifestyle that they're in. And kids that run away are at risk for homelessness. This is where it came about. A lot of homeless people grow up because that's the lifestyle they did when they ran away from home at a young age and they've never left the street. They've come addicted to drugs and alcohol and been abused, been exploited, and they find themselves even still today homeless, separated from society. 
Kids that run away are at risk for crime. They steal food. They steal for clothing. They do what they have to do to survive, and the next thing you know, they get caught, and now they have a criminal record. And it all began because they tried to run away from home. Listen, the reality is, is maybe you this morning have at some point in your life ran away to try to escape the difficulties of the situation you found yourself in. It doesn't just have to be children. It doesn't have to be teenagers. It can be adults that that find themselves running away from the difficulties of life in which they find themselves in. Maybe you're this morning and and you're in a marriage situation and, and 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 you're trying to run away from the problem that exists at home. And and we think that if we escape this situation, life will get better out there. The grass is always greener until we get to the other side and we realize that it it has green seasons and it has dormant seasons, just like every other marriage. Maybe you're running from a bossy parent. Maybe you're looking at escaping a bossy boss. And so you're looking to run and escape. Listen, the reality is, is I want you to know this morning, there are many risks that come with running away. There are many risks that happen when we try to escape that which we live in. And we should do everything we can to prevent those from running away and ourselves from being a part of that. Because we are all capable of trying to run from our circumstances. Just like there's risk for those, there are also risks as we try to run away from God. These risks will put us in places we don't want to be. They will put us in situations that, uh, that, that will try to devour us. You see, the enemy comes to seek, kill, and destroy. And Christ comes that we might have life and have life abundantly. There are risks that we encounter when we run. Last week, if you remember, we talked about Jonah and his reality that he's running. He found himself in a difficult circumstance of life. He finds himself running. And this week we're going to look at the the risk of running. What are the risks that come from running? Because if you are not running from God now, there will come a time in your life in which you will desire to run from God in what God has called you to do. And my hope and my encouragement is that, like these children, we can help you make sure you don't break that. That you don't get into those circumstances. If we address them prior to them happening, then maybe, just maybe, if we spend more time with our kids and we invest in them, we love on them, we don't do drugs at home, we don't don't just pour the bottle back at home and get drunk and and beat our children and all these things that happen in the real world in, in which we live. If we can help just one to stop running from God, we will be that much better off as a body of Christ. We looked at four different divisions of the book of Jonah last week. And last week we saw, number one, there we see Jonah on the dry land disobeying God. He's been called to do something for God, and yet this prophet has decided instead of doing what God's called him to do, he's going to get out and he's going to run. He's going to do exactly what God has called him, the opposite of what God has called him to do. And so today we're going to look at the second part, begin to look at it, at least the first 
verses 4 to 9, we're going to see Jonah on the sea fighting with God. Again, I think it's neat to look at these and see the fact that disobeying equals fighting and pleading equals with obeying. I think what we need to do is begin pleading more with God to help us in our circumstances, to rely and to trust Him because He loves you. He, he loves you and He cares for you. And He loves your relationship. He loves your marriages. He loves your families. He loves your children. So much so that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. He gave His Son so that we might have life. And so I believe this morning, my encouragement to you is let's begin the pleading process instead of the running process. So let's begin by looking at the first, at point number two here, that Jonah is on the sea fighting with God. Let's read our text this morning, if you will. We're going to read verses 4 to 9. Follow, if you will. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God. And they, they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to, to help lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, had laid down and had fallen asleep. And so the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up! Call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots so that we can learn who, who, on whose account this calamity has struck us. And so they cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us now on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Last week we were taught of about a man that ran from God's direction. Rather than being bold and accepting the mission in which God had called him to. And we looked at what that looked like and we encouraged not to do that. But this week I want us to look at the risks that are involved when we do that. Because I believe we're sitting here tomorrow morning as, as human people and we all have the same difficulties and the same struggles and the same temptations and the same lives that one another share. And so my hope is that we can evaluate the risk of running. My hope is not to scare you away from making bad decisions. That's not my job. Uh, I don't want to play the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't want to make it sound like, hey, you're wrong and you, you've made mistakes. Yeah, we all make mistakes. Hey, listen, I'm transparent about that. I'm just like you. I have struggles. I have difficulties. I have temptations. And I have things that I do on a daily basis that I hate. The very things I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't do, sometimes I do. Those things in which God has called me to do, sometimes I don't want to do. And I have the temptation of fleeing, running. And so my hope this, this morning is that to encourage you to evaluate your lives. 
to look at the risks that are involved when we do decide to run. I know there's a cost. That when we encounter these situations in our life that we might see them as a characteristic of a running man or running woman. And ultimately, the objective is to get back on track. Amen. Listen, the reality is this. Your circumstance is not too far gone. No one is too far gone. Nobody. There is no circumstance, no situation that God can't mend, that God can't build back to pieces. Amen. God's will never contradicts His Word. And I believe that all things are possible through Christ who strengthens us. And so my hope today is that we will evaluate these different things. So the three things that I want us to notice today, the risks that are from running God, is that, number one, running can cause difficulties in life. How many have difficulties in life sometimes? I think everybody should raise their hand. Amen? Because life is sometimes difficulty. It's difficult sometimes. Number two is that running can cause drowsiness in life. And thirdly, running from God can cause deception in life. Deceptiveness. And so that brings us to our first point this morning, is that running can cause difficulties. He says here in verses 4, 5, and 5, the first part of 5, The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his lowercase g, God. And they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea, to lighten it for them. There are a few key observations that I want to take from this text this morning that I believe that will certainly help each one of us carefully evaluate those difficulties in which we encounter in our lives and to ask the question, are these difficulties of God or of me? Because sometimes we like to blame God for all of our difficulties, but sometimes they're not. But I can promise you, Joni... He's disobeying God, and God is in the process of teaching him a lesson and drawing him ultimately back to himself. He's received the instructions to God of God to go to Nineveh to preach against the evil that's been brought forth by the people of, of Nineveh, but instead the prophet decides to go on a boat trip in the opposite direction. And he flees from the presence of God as if, as if, as if he thinks he can get away from God. And the problem is that he's running from God. And because he's run, running, Jonah is about to start experiencing some different things in his life that may not seem very healthy for him, nor the people in which he is involved with. It says that the Lord, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea. <coughs> I want us to notice the fact that God's the one who caused this storm to come about. It's God who brought the storm into the life of Jonah. And he's just about to learn how sovereign God really is in his life. And I think sometimes we just need to be reminded that God is sovereign over our lives. Every single thing that takes place in your life and in my life, God is in control of. God knows about. God has allowed for a specific purpose, for a specific time, for a specific task. And so wherever you find yourself this morning, I want you to know that God's in control of it. It may seem like your life's spinning completely out of control, but God's in control. God's really in control. 
And so while God caused the great wind to blow on this, this boat, this storm is raging, and God is simply in the process of doing what He needs to do to accomplish what He's called Jonah to do in the first place. And so Jonah was enduring something, I want you to understand, that wasn't just a little rain shower. Rather, it was a great storm. I was able to see what great storms looked like this maybe this week as Hurricane Matthew came ashore. Great storms. There were 40-foot waves off the coast of Hilton Head. The highest elevation of Hilton Head, I want you to know, is like 10. This was a great storm that was hurled against Jonah in this boat. And he's going to find out that he can't run from God. He can't fight against God. And I'm reminded of the life of Saul. There on the road to Damascus, you remember, in Acts chapter 26, Acts chapter 9, he's given his defense there in Acts 26 to King Agrippa, and he's telling this story about Jesus' encounter, his encounter with Jesus. And, And Jesus said, why do you fight against my will? It's like a mite beating his head against a piece of granite. We can't fight against the will of God. Amen. It's known that many sailors of that day would have found that sailing brought about this feeling of isolation, a feeling of loneliness. But I can't get help but get past the fact that, not Jonah, because Jonah knows deep down inside of his heart he can't run from God. It, casting out the sea was a place where they thought God necessarily couldn't go. And if we, if we look, we see this process of down and down and down. He goes down to Joppa to get down in the boat and then down into the hole. He's trying to get as far as he can from God, but the reality is he can't run. He can run, but he can't hide. He knows that he's not alone. God is watching every move he makes, and I want us to know that God is watching every move I make and every move you make. And he's two steps ahead of you. He is two or three steps way ahead of you. And so the fact is, is that you may find yourself in difficulties this morning, but I want you to know many times running from God is what causes those difficulties. I just keep thinking about all of the times and all the difficulties in my personal life because I disobeyed or I ran from God. When I knew in my heart of hearts, that I needed to get back to God. I needed to follow the Lord. But something innate in our human nature, our sinful flesh, keeps pushing us away from God. You know, when you find yourself in a difficult situation, the first thing we do is what? We close this book, right? Boom. We sit it down and we want to isolate ourselves. We want to be alone. And that's what Jonah's doing. He's trying to get away. A great storm is something we're used to from the coast. I've been fishing many times out in the ocean and up in the distance you see a dark cloud pop up and it's too late. The white caps are already coming. And you're, man, you're you're just praying to God to get me back to shore safely. Down the back of that wave and up the back and you're like, oh man, we're not going to make it. Great storms are something that's a normal thing to these people. But the reality is, is God is the one who's delivered this great storm, this difficulty in their lives. 
I believe that's what's happened here. God has caused a great wind to blow and produce a great storm that produced a horrific situation in which these sailors now are fearing for their lives. And that's when we find ourselves sometimes in the storms of life. And I think we need to ask God, what can we learn in this situation? This morning, that storm's in your life and just kind of hovering over you everywhere you walk. The storm cloud is following you and it's just dumping and pouring. And you feel like the pressures of life are coming on you. I believe that we need to first ask, God, what can I learn in this situation? What is it that you're trying to teach me? Because just like we purify gold, God purifies our hearts. And sometimes it's pressure, sometimes it's difficulties, and sometimes it's hard times of life that bring us back to God, that remind us so that we're able to ask, what is it that you want me to learn, God? I like what we talked about Wednesday night and the fact that God is an all-knowing God. And so I like to say, ask God. Ask God to show us our hearts, to reveal any iniquity. What, is, what are the things, God, in our lives that, that seem to have this, this, this difficulty hovering over us? But not every difficulty is because you've done something wrong, right? I think of Job. And so when we're going through difficulty, it could be because of what we've done and the situation we put ourselves in, but it could be God allowing us to be a tool for Him to defeat Satan. Have you ever thought about that? Yes. We could potentially be a tool in which God uses to defeat the enemy, like Job. But we know Jonah's running. We know his circumstance. God's trying to craft him and draw him back in and so he sends this storm and, and the reality is, is this storm is difficult. And those things in which God can use in our lives can prove to be powerful, painful, and persistent. And I believe that's what we find here. The storm was powerful. The fear was painful. And the storm was persistent. We see here that the storm was so strong that the boat begins to break up. You can translate it this way. Now the ship was determined to break apart. And we don't get that in the, in the English, but when we look at it in its original, it gives the idea of, of having a personality. The contrast to the disobedient prophet, the winds and the sea and the boat are all aware seemingly of what God is doing, but not this prophet. But he's about to be aware. And so what is it this morning? What is it this week? What is it the next coming month that God's going to try to draw you back to in your life? Because I believe He wants to give you victory. And I believe He wants to redeem. And I believe He wants to expound His grace and His mercy because that's what Christ came for. Not to condemn. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. But God loves you too much to leave you where you're at today. He loves you too much to leave your circumstances in the same situation or worse than what they are. He wants to see it improve and get better. Because He knows that through better lives will glorify and honor Him better. Broken doesn't glorify Him. Broken families, broken marriages, broken homes, difficult ministries, they, they don't glorify God. Unity glorifies God because He can see and use the best in those who are following and listening to his instruction. And some of you might be running this morning from, from your life in Christ. Maybe you've tried to work your way into salvation, but the Bible says no, sal no man will earn his salvation. 
If salvation can be attained by, by doing A, B, and C, then Christ died needlessly. And so we keep trying time and time again to accomplish things on our own and our own, and yet the Bible tells us we can't. And my encouragement to you is, is begin the process of just trusting God this morning. Trusting God. Allowing God to take care of those situations in our lives. Jonah has now found himself in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, heading off in the opposite direction, where God has called him to be, in the middle of a great storm, caused by God in a boat that's about to break apart, and sailors that are absolutely losing their minds. They're scared to death, and they call out to their foreign gods, but they don't help. There's no answer there because, well, there's no such thing as uh, false gods. There's only one God. There's one true God of the Bible. You see, everyone believes and worships something this morning. These men on this boat worshipped something. It was a false god, but they worshipped. They cried out to their God, but there was no answer. And you see, many times I think in our culture and our lives, we, we trust in so many other things, these little G-gods. We trust in our finances. We trust in our own abilities. We trust in our own knowledge, our own intellect, our own strength, our own cleverness. When they're out, they're just little G-gods and they don't help. We need to call on the one true God. Jehovah Jireh, our provider, our sustainer, our, our, the one who sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And listen, if you don't believe you believe in something, let me stick you out in the ocean in the middle of a storm. You'll cry out to somebody. You'll cry out to the God you believe in. And the first thing you think about when you think about God, is your value of God. Do you believe in the one true God that answers, that helps, that takes? Are you crying out this, this time in your life to something that's not even viable? A false God. That's what these men are doing. They're looking for help and they're crying out to their God, but there's no answer. And so they try to do what? The, well, the, the next best thing is let me do it myself. And so then I go and I start pulling out the cargo and I start throwing it off the ship. Hey, we can, we can fix this problem. We can make it through the storm. Just let me do this and let me do that and let me do this. And Does that sound familiar to our lives? When we're going through the storms, the first thing we want to do is start taking care of it ourselves. You know why I can say that? Because I'm guilty as charged. When my bank account gets low, guess what I start doing? I start calling people like, okay, I'm start, now I'm going to try to find some work. I'm going to try to find a way to make some money. Right? When, when things are going difficult in the home, we, we want to start trying to find solutions other places than, than, than God. And I'm reminded of King Asa. Oh, he did so well. We talked about it a couple weeks ago in Wednesday night in 2 Chronicles chapter 14 when God in His great mercy and His grace delivered this man, King Asa, because of his faith and his trust in God. And he did so well. He broke down all the idols. He did A, B, and C. And God delivered him before the Ethiopians. In chapter 11, he says, I trust in you. Deliver us. God delivers them. But then in chapter 15 and 16, we begin to see a process where he loses sight of God and he begins to do things on his own. And then God says, I promise you, you're going to have more wars. You see, just like King Asa, he relied on his own strength, his own ability. And that's what these men are doing. They're relying on their own help, 
So let's just lighten the load and we can make the storm and survive it. I'd venture to say that they are all having difficult times. The problem is Jonah's causing all of this because he's running and the sailors are running around the deck shouting like crazy men to their false gods, throwing over cargo. But notice this, that sometimes our running causes others difficulties. Jonah's doing what? He's sleeping. <laughs> right? He's down in the hold sleeping. These guys are going around like crazy on the deck. And he's the problem. You see, sometimes our stubbornness, our unwillingness to follow what God has called us to do doesn't necessarily cause us as much problem sometimes as it causes those around us. Our sin has an effect not only on us, but on those around us. And we're going to see that these men are tired of dealing with it. And they're going to call them to the table. Running from God, I want you to know, can cause difficulties in life. But we need to see, secondly, that running can cause drowsiness. When we run, when we stop following what it is that God's called us to do, we can get tired and weary. And we can just grow weary of even fighting anymore. The, I mean, think about it. These guys are throwing cargo off the ship. I'm sure the cargo's not light, right? They're probably wore out. They've thrown over all of this. Jonah's down in the hole sleeping. Obviously, he's tired. And sometimes we spin our wheels doing this and that instead of just listening to the Lord. Amen. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Amen. He says, wives, be submissive unto your husbands. Listen to the Father. He says, children, obey your he says slaves submit unto your masters there are so many different things that we do in our lives that affect others around us if we would just obey the Lord then Jesus Christ would receive the glory and the honor and he would exalt your life to be a light that would shine among the people in which you are around God loves you. God's love and God's mercy is for all people in all places, in all generations to those who trust in Him. And that's the reality. We can grow really tired. And that's what's happened to Jonah. Jonah, he's not even on the scene. I'm in eight pages. I'm in ten pages of my sermon and we haven't really begun to talk about Jonah. Where is he? He's down there sleeping. Listen to what it says in verses 5 and 6. He says, But Jonah had gone below in the hold and the ship and lay down and fallen asleep. And so the captain approached him and said, How is it that you're sleeping? Get up. Call your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. You know, when we live lives of sin, when we run from God, life can be draining. We're always what? Looking behind us to see who's watching Right? We're always um, fumbling through our, our, our text messages to make sure our wives don't see what we're doing. Uh, we're always thumbing through the history and the cash on the computers because we don't want anybody to know what's going on. We hide those books. We keep private those TV shows. We don't let our spouses see our bank accounts. 
because they didn't want us to see that we were out drinking with the buddies when we should have been home with our families investing and pouring into them. I've got a, a neighbor that I've become really aware of and we've become <laughs> friends and, and we have such a great relationship but when his neighbor comes out, he becomes a different man. You see, we have to be careful who we hang around. Right. Trash in is trash out. You are what you eat. There's no way around it. And so we have to be careful and to make sure that we don't put ourselves in those situations. And as we grow weary, we're going to be dependent on other people. And we want to make sure those are the right people. A life of running can cause drowsiness and make us tired. Jonah's bought a ticket. He's paid his fare. He's bought his way. And now he's retreating from God. And here in this chapter, we find this prophet at the very bottom. It's far away from God again, as he can see. Why in the world is Jonah sleeping? Well, his heart was hardened, and he's running away from God, and he's tired. I couldn't help but think of Jesus. You remember that story there? Jesus is in the boat. The storms are raging. What is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. You know, as you study this, this idea, this, this reality that he's sleeping, most of the time that we see this phrase used, it's a sleep that God has put on somebody. Now, I believe that Jonah's tired because he's run from God. He's exhausted. It's pure speculation because the text simply tells us that he's sleeping, whatever the case. It doesn't take long for the sailors to realize that he's not on the deck helping out with this situation. And so the captain runs in panic and he gets down in the deepest part of the boat and he says, Jonah, what are you doing? Why are you sleeping? How are you sleeping in the midst of this storm going on? The, the boat's breaking apart. We're about to die and all you can do is sleep. I wonder how many times in our lives we sleep and our sin, and everybody around us are in utter panic. It shows the selfishness of Jonah. And I, and I, I think about my own house when things are not going well in the home. Most of the time, it's got to do with my attitude as the husband in the home. I haven't set the stage right in my home. And I've been lazy on my part to do what God's called me to do and to lead my family. And maybe this morning, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe your life is perfect. Maybe you don't have any struggles. Maybe everything in life is just hunky-dory for you. But the reality is, for me, many times in my life, I'm tired because I'm disobeying. And I'm not doing what God's called me to do. And my family pays the price. And it's by God's grace. It is by God's grace that we're able to survive. He carries us through. My hope is today that we'll wake up and then we'll stop running and follow whatever it is that God's commissioned us to do through His Scripture, through His Word, before that leads to deceptiveness. Running from God can cause difficulties. Running from life can cause drowsiness. But also, thirdly, running can cause deception. 
in our lives. What is the definition of deception? Listen to what it says. The definition is to give an appearance or an impression different from the true one. That's what deception is. You see, we can run around looking really good on the outside and seemingly all spiritual. Oh, hey, 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 brother, how you doing? God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. But deep down inside, there's a waging, a raging storm that's taking place because we've disobeyed God. And see, we can fool a lot of people around us, but our wives and our children, we can't fool because they live with us every day. They know us better than anybody does. And that's why my wife is my best friend, my accountability partner. And she's not afraid to say, honey, I think you're stepping out of line. And I love you, and that's why I tell you that. And if I'm too prideful to sit back and say, honey, you're right. I need to evaluate where I'm at. Then I become prideful and boastful. And it's inevitable that I will fall. We need to make sure that we are not being deceptive. Jonah 1, 7 and 9 says, Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots so that we may learn who, on whose account this calamity has struck us. And so they cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah. In verse 8 they said to him, Tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he said, I'm a Hebrew, for I fear the Lord God of who's made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Jonah has started down this line of deception. And these men want to know who he is and, and, who, and what he's on this mission for and, and who this calamity is because of. And so they cast lots. And the lots fell to Jonah. Okay, we know it's you, Jonah. We know you're the problem. And so now you tell us, what's your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? And from what people are you? They're giving him the third degree. But listen to what he says in verse 9. He says, but he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Oh, really, Jonah? Now you're going to get all super spiritual on us? A half-true with a little lie. Given the appearance or the impression of something different than what it really is, it's deception. And listen, when we're living in sin, when we're running from God, when we're not doing the things in which God has instructed in our lives, we live lives of deception because we have to live a double standard. We look different on Sunday morning than we look through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And let me tell you, it's affecting the culture in which we live because they are sick of seeing fake, phony Christians who come in the door on Sundays and praise Jesus and then go out and live like hell. But we're all guilty in some way. Praise God, we, we worship a God who is gracious and merciful and forgiving. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we think that we're holy and righteous and set apart in all of these things and we've never really evaluated the deception in our hearts and we've never confessed Jesus Christ and we've never confessed our sin and we're just going to be a double standard Christian. We're going to look good on the outside, but on the inside we're, we're ravenous wolves dying. 
They give the appearance or the impression of something different than what it really is. I had a fellow meet me and asked a question about of assurance of salvation. How, how can we be sure that we're saved? Because I've got a good buddy who was, who, was, who was walking in the faith, who was a solid Christian man, and now he has departed from the faith. He rejects Jesus Christ. Does anybody know anybody like that? I'm sure you do. Because it's a common thing we see. They give the example of godly, but then they turned away from their faith, and now they've rejected God. And the question he was asking, how do we know if he's a believer? Well, number one is I'm not his judge. God's his judge. But I say what I see is a form of deception. We've seen somebody who's tasted of the goodness of God, who's, who's, who's been a part of the goodness of God, but they've never in, taken it and dwelt it and received it. And they've even fooled themselves. Listen, the devil doesn't have to be creative in a lot of ways. He's just got to convince you something that you are something you're not. That's all he's got to do. If he can convince you that, oh, everything's great and he doesn't have to do anything else. And many times, deception creeps into our hearts when we're just not following what God has said. Listen, if we're running from God and God is not bringing storms in our lives and we're not tired from running by the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we may be deceiving ourselves that we are truly born again because He loves you too much as His child to leave you abandoned and strayed and out there without punishing you. Listen, I wouldn't think anybody this morning if they had a child and that child was disgruntled, dis disobedient, and, and you would just say, oh, it's okay, buddy, come here. That wouldn't be a loving father. A loving father would, would punish that child, discipline that child in a godly manner. And that's the same thing God does with us as His children. He, he punishes us. He, he, he teaches us a lesson ultimately to bring us back into the fold. But He loves us too much to leave us. And so if you're running this morning and you're not tired and you're not having storms in your life and you're just living in habitual sin, boy, I would challenge you to pray and ask God what's going on in here. Because He loves you too much to leave you. For God punishes, God disciplines those He loves. And James tells us to test our faith. Those that have walked away from the faith will always say, 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were never really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so to be shown that they were never really of us. If you're a child of God, you're always a child of God. If God has regenerated your heart, your heart is regenerated. Once saved, always saved. It doesn't give us the right to go out and sin habitually. We have to question our heart if we're able to do that. I like what the New Living Translation said. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us, but they left. And it provides a way to know that they no longer belong to us. Not one drop of blood of Calvary that Jesus shed was wasted. Your salvation is secure in Christ. It will always remain with Christ. Will there be difficult times? Yes, there will be difficult times. Because the Lord tells us there will be difficult times. Because we won't always run as Christians. God loves us too much. Because He who began a good work will finish it. 
So let us stop running. And maybe, maybe you're not running this morning. That's great. That's a, that is awesome. That is a blessing. And we need to rejoice in those times of life where everything's going good and we're following God. We're connected to the Lord and we're, we're not being disobedient and we're not running from God. But listen, now we know how to better pray for those that are running, that are going through difficulties, that are tired, that are worn out, and that are living lives of deception. We can now pray for them in a better way. Running from God can cause deception in life. And Jonah's being deceptive. Jonah, if you fear the Lord so much, why are you heading in the other direction? Jonah's, listen, he's talking the talk, but he's not walking the walk. And I want to just ask you this morning, ask yourself the question, am I talking the talk or am I walking the walk? And listen, you may be talking the talk this morning and not walking the walk. And my, my, my objective is not to say, oh, you're just a bad little Christian. Same on you. Because there have been times in my life where I've talked the talk and not walked the walk. But if I never had my brother in Christ come to me and say, dude, you're talking it, but you ain't walking it, then I don't have a good enough relationship with my brother to hold one another accountable and to pray for one another. The reality is sometimes we talk the talk, but we really don't walk the walk. So we have to be honest. Are we being deceptive? If we are, we need to repent. Turn back to God because God loves us. Listen, I know there are some Jonas here today. And my hope is that we learn from him from his mistake because, because God is like the father of the runaway that, 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 these, that desire so greatly to get away from their problems. These children that I looked at on the internet that were, that were just in despair that were lured in by adults to misuse them are just like Christians who are in despair and the enemy. He lures you in to a life of deception. And my hope this morning is that just like a father's love, that we realize that God's love, just like a parent so desperately seeks after a child who's, who's no longer in the home, who is, who is, who's run away, they, they search for that child until they can't search anymore. God's seeking for you today. Listen, maybe you're here today and you may be running. You find yourself standing in the life's difficulties. You find yourself worn down, tired from running, drowsy. You may find yourself living a life of dishonesty, living in deception. Listen, just like that dad searches for the runaway daughter, so God the Father searches for you today to draw you back into the fold, to care for you, to love you. He loves you and He desires that you turn back to Him today and to stop running. Let's pray.